Uh, yeah, thanks for the invitation. First of all, a word of apology for those who went to uh, the Tucson conference. This is an expanded version of the talk I presented four weeks ago in Tucson. So maybe for two or three of you, there might be some overlap, but this is a much expanded version. And ha I have recently started working on that topic of st structural realism. So this is all pretty much work in process and um, not yet finished. So I'm very, I'm looking forward to your input after my talk. There seem to be, there seems to be a real challenge to panpsychism from structural realism. And I try to get a grip of this conceptual landscape, so to speak, the conceptual map of the options here. And I'm still not sure whether I have it really strictly laid out there, but we'll, we'll see. This is the lecture outline. I give a definition of structural realism. Then I talk a little bit about the relationships of panpsychism and structural realism and how it is connected to the so-called intrinsic nature argument for panpsychism. Then I distinguish two versions of structural realism, epistemological structural realism and ontological structural realism. Then I talk a little bit about Newman's famous argument against Russell, Russell's structural realism, which is an epistemic or epistemological structural realism. And then I ask, can this, can Newman's argument effectively used, be used to defeat ontological realism, structural realism at, as well? And basically I'm skeptical about that um, because in its original form, Newman's argument is tailored directly towards Russell's epistemological structural realism. Um, but we have to distinguish two, version, two versions again of ontological structural realism, moderate and eliminative. And I think some of the intuitions of Newman's, not exactly his argument, but some of his intuitions can be <coughs> brought up, up against moderate ontological realism, but not on against eliminative ontological realism. Um, so ontological, the ontological reading of Newman's argument is not directly question-begging against moderate OSR because there are additional arguments, but it doesn't do, do us any good against eliminative OSR. Uh, but I think OS, eliminative OSR is ultimately self-defeating because it is not a structural realism. So that's, that's the overall, overall outline of the talk. So what is structural realism? Here's a quote by Worrell. With respect to the case of the transition in, in 19th century optics from Fresnel's elastic solids ether theory to Maxwell's theory of the electromagnetic field, there was an important element of continuity in the shift from Fresnel to Max Maxwell. In this and this was much more than a simple question of carrying over the successful empirical content into the new theory. It was rather less than a carrying over of the full, it was, ra it was rather less than a carrying over of the full theoretical content or full theoretical mechanisms, even in approximate form. There was continuity or accumulation in the shift, but the continuity is one of form or structure, not of content. This is the, the basic idea of structural realists. I, I, I started with Stegmüller in, uh, in Munich, that what is carried over from one 
scientific theory to the next successor is logical forms. It's never content of the theory, it's not the, the mechanics, it's, it's just certain logical forms, certain logical ideas that we use in different scientific theories. According to Vorel, we should not accept standard scientific realism, which asserts that the nature of unobservable objects that cause the phenomena we observe is correctly described by our best theories. However, neither should we be anti-realists about science. Rather, we should adopt structural realism and epistemically commit ourselves only to the mathematical or structural content of our theories. Uh, now, for all of us who have studied the orange or origins of 20th century panpsychicism, you immediately think of Russell when you read this. Um, but I'll get to that. A few more remarks on, well, I'm still in the process of defining for our practical purposes or my practical purposes of this talk, structural realism. So structural realism can be quickly characterized in terms of the Ramsey method of eliminating theoretical terms from a syntactically, syntactical specification of a theory. As you all know, Ramsey replaces each referring term in the theory with an existentially bound variable. The Ramsified version of a theory says only that there exist certain entities that are interrelated thus and so. However, it is a mistake to think that the Ramsey sentence allows us to eliminate theoretical entities, for it still states that they exist. It is just that they are referred to not directly by means of theoretical terms, but by description, that is, via variables, connectives, quantifiers, and predicate terms, whose direct reference are allegedly known to us by acquaintance. And that's exactly the method structural realism um, suggests being the best way to interpret our scientific worldview. Now, what is the relationship between this and panpsychism? One of the, the key arguments for panpsychism is the argument from intrinsic natures. Um, I will, note, I will only very briefly touch on this because I assume that all of you are familiar with this argument. So you might either argue in the Leibnizian sense that extrinsic or relational properties are determined by intrinsic properties. There is no extrinsic relational property, property that is not ultimately determined by an intrinsic property. Or in Rosenberg's uh, theory of panpsychist theory, he talks about that they are grounded in, in intrinsic properties. The Thus, matter must have an intrinsic nature to ground the relation, relation, relational or structural features revealed to us by physical science. And now, this is the step uh, making panpsychism plausible. We are aware of but one intrinsic property of things, and that is consciousness or phenomenal awareness. And now it is plausible to assert physicalism. We are physical beings, and our consciousness is a feature of, a certain, of certain physical structures. Therefore, consciousness is an intrinsic property of matter. That, that's, in a nutshell, the argument. 
Well, well, but what if this argument fails? How does our the, the, the theoretical status of panpsychism, how does it change if we deny that relational properties or some relevant subset of them need to be determined or grounded by intrinsic properties? Then the, the whole game plan, so to speak, changes. It's all quite different. If all there is to matter is its relational or structural properties, then the, the impetus to seek an intrinsic background to underpin them completely evaporates. Thus, structural realism or relationalism, it's sometimes called, uh, William Seeger calls it relationalism, directly threatens a key argument for panpsychism. That's the connection. Now, I distinguish epistemological structural realism and ontological structural realism. Maxwell and Russell claimed that knowledge of the unobservable realm is limited to knowledge of its structural rather than intrinsic properties, or as it is sometimes said, limited to knowledge of its higher order properties. It might be argued that this is the purest structuralism possible. For the notion of structure employed here refers to the higher order properties of a theory, those that are only expressible in purely mathematical or formal terms. This is an epistemological realis structural realism, ESR, and, it, and is, it is meant to vindicate and not to revise the ontological commitments of scientific realism. On this view, the objective world is composed of unobservable objects between which certain properties and relations obtain, but we can only know the properties and relations of these properties and relations. That's the meta level. And that is the structure of the objective world. The argument from intrinsic natures is not effective against epistemological structural realism. For ESR, knowledge, for ESR, knowledge of the unobservable realm is limited to knowledge of its structural rather than its, in its it, intrinsic properties. Any discussion of the metaphysical nature of the unobservable realm is epistem epistemologically misguided. So the intrinsic nature argument for the epistemological structural realist does not even get off the ground. It's in a sense bad metaphysics. It's epistemologically misguided. Now, ontological structural realism. An ontological reading of structural realism then goes on to assert that there is nothing more to the entities than their place within the relational system. So a theory becomes rather like a mathematical graph. Uh, William Seeger has written uh, extensively about this. And the nature of the entities involved reduces to their place within this structural description. It's just this point like this every it's all there's left of the individual or the object is this 
point-like thing in a math mathematical graph. Now one um, caveat here. St ontological structuralism looks like functionalism, but there's a big difference. Most of you might know, but I, I mention it anyway. Functionalism requires that the system of relation it specifies be implemented or realized by some appropriately organized system of entities whose own properties permit them to ground the functional spe specification of the system. Ontological structural realism dispenses completely with the idea of realization. There is no realization requirement. The system of relations in itself is enough to underpin the reality of the entities at issue. Now, what was Newman's famous, famous argument in 1928 against Russell's um, epistemic structural realism? Newman's argument is often construed as a reductio argument against epistemological structuralism, uh, structural realism, I, sh yeah, I should, sh should read, by ultimately showing that it's no longer a scientific realism, which it wants to be, but it ends up in a kind of anti-realism. And Newman's argument was directly tailored against Russell, and especially it's these thesis of Russell in, in analysis of matter that it was trying to show to be ultimately incoherent or to, to uh, try and reduct you against. Here's a quote by Russell. It would seem that wherever we infer from perceptions, uh, it is only structure that we can validly infer, and structure is what can be, ex can be expressed by mathematical logic. The only legitimate attitude about the physical world seems to be one of a complete agnosticism as regards all but its mathematical properties. Now, what is a structure, according to Newman. Remember, this is the second level, property of properties. I, here's an example by, by, by Newman in his article. For example, A might be a random collection of people, and R, the two-termed relation of being acquainted to. A map of A can be made by making a dot on a piece of paper to represent each person. And joining with the line those pairs of dots, which represent acquainted persons. Such a map is itself a system, B, having the same structure as A. That's the important point, having the same structure as A. So we have a meta level here. The generating relation, S, in this case, being joined by a line. The important feature of the definition brought out by the example is that it is not, all, not at all necessary for the objects composing A and B, nor the relations R and S, to be qualitatively similar. In fact, to discuss the structure of a system, A, it is only necessary to know the incidence of R. The intrins its intrinsic qualities are completely irrelevant. That's the key intuition of, of structuralism. 
You're only interested in the structures and not even in the relations between the things. We, we abstract away even from the relations and look at a, a more abstract level, which is the structures. Now, Newman's key argument was this. Such a statement expresses only a trivial property of the world, because any collection of things can be organized so as to have the structure W, provided there are the right number of them. Hence, the doctrine that only structure is known involves the doctrine, doc doctrine that nothing can be known that is not logically deductible from the mere fact of existence except the number of constituting objects. Why is this so? This is because assuming that there are enough entities, it follows from pure logic that any system of relations over those entities is instantiated because conceived apart from considerations of the intrinsic properties of the relata, relations are simply sets of ordered sequences of entities. For example, a two-place relation is a set of ordered pairs. And given these entities, those sets and sequences will automatically exist. That, that's the rationale behind Newman's argument. I'll get back to this. Now, the conclusion of Newman's argument, when interpreted to bear on structural realism, is that, that the existence of a structure is trivially true of a set of objects. Unless there is something, as Newman says, qualitative, and what else can that mean than involving intrinsic properties about the relata, the nature of the relations of which the structure is supposed to be an abstraction is in no way determined. Giving the number of objects any structure is OK, because they are all there as sets of those objects. So Russell's epistemic structural realism that we know the mathematical properties of the physicals and nothing but those, is thus undermined and collapses ultimately into an anti-realism. Structure structures don't capture the mathematical properties of relational reality. They might completely miss it, because in science, any arbitrary structure is OK, assuming Russell's ontology and epistemolo epistemology here. So Newman's argument can thus serve as a defeater for epistemic or epistemological structural realism. As defined above, epistemological structural realism is meant to vindicate and not to, I repeat that, not to revise the ontological commitments of scientific realism. On this view, the objective world is composed of unobservable objects between which certain properties and relations obtain but we can only know the properties and relations of these properties and relations. That is the structure of the objective world. So if Newman's argument is correct, we do not even know the objective structure of the world in any realist sense of objectivity. So there is nothing left of scientific uh, realism in the theory. That's basically Newman's claim. This is supposed to be a scientific realism, a structuralist realism, but there is no realism left. As a consequence, one can read Newman's argument in the line of Putnam's famous model theoretic argument, which he used as an argument for his inter internal realism, which is a kind of anti-realism. 
There are too many ontological interpretations or models of our theories. Our scientific descriptions of the world are unable to single out the intended model, like the real world. Similarly, if we picture objects as mere nodes in a relational graph with no intrinsic nature, then for each structure there are many different relations between the objects that make the structure true. Since science deals only with the mathematical structure and not with real relations between objects, which are determined possibly by the qualitative intrinsic nature of the objects, we can never know the, the one true story about the world in a metaphysical realist way. We just have too many truths. Because there's a close relationship between this idea and, and Newman's argument. Okay, but when, what if we go, so Newman's argument is effective to in undermining epistemic, epistemological structural realism because there's no realism left, if, if Newman is right. But what about ontological structural realism? Is Newman's argument applicable here as well? Originally, the argument was obviously, it was an argument against Russell, tailored against epistemological structural realism. realism, uh, realism. But then Newman talks about intrinsic prop uh, of qualitative properties and, and so on. So one could attempt to read Newman ontologically. He claimed that conceived apart from considerations of the intrinsic properties of the relata, he calls them qualitative, relations are simply sets of ordered sequences of entities. And given the entities, all sets and sequences will automatically exist at a formal or mathematical level. So if there's underneath the formal and mathematical description a real, concrete, unique relational structure of the world, it must then be ontologically dependent on the intrinsic nature of the relata. This might be an ontological reading um, of Newman. Um, again, William Seeger does this, but uh, it's not directly in Newman's article. It's only implicit in it. But I don't think it does, it does us all that much good. Because in its ontological reading, Newman's argument is just a rather blunt statement for, of the intrinsic nature argument. Um, so the ontological structural realist might find this move question-begging against his charge. However, it's not that easy because there are two different versions of ontological structural realism. There's moderate ontological structural realism and there's eliminative ontological structural realism. Moderate ontological structuralism realism still allows for objects and relations as the two basic ontological categories, but claims that objects have no intrinsic properties. Eliminative ontological structural realism is, says there, there's only relations, there are no objects, it's that no relata, that the entire world is just a set of relations. So what about now ontological structural realism and the intrinsic argument from intrinsic natures? Directed against eliminative ontological structural realism, the idea that relations must be grounded in intrinsic natures is without force. Why? Because there are no, there are no relata, there are no objects that could possibly have intrinsic properties. If there are no, pro if, if there are no relata, 
it's, it's futile to discuss what kind of properties they might have. Something that doesn't exist doesn't have any properties. Directed against moderate ontological structural realism, which still allows for, for the existence of the relata, some version of, of the uh, argument from, ex from extrinsic natures might possibly be effective, thus incorporating some of Newman's ontological intuitions. Basically, the way I, this might be uh, successful is to argue that the notion of an object without intrinsic properties may be incoherent, trivial, circular. I get back to this in a minute. To make things even more complicated, oh, I'll leave that out. I'll leave it simpler. So <laughs> let's look at moderate ontological structural realism first. Um, Sir Arthur Eddington presented a form of it recently by Esfeld. Often you find the idea in moderate ontological structural realisms that relations and relata are defined circularly. They are interdependent. Objects are bundles of relations, and relations are connections between objects. Eddington, for example, I don't have the, ex I have looked that up in the, quoted it from another article, but I think it's correct. Uh, Eddington claims that the relations unite the relata the relata are the meeting points of the relations. The one is unthinkable apart, apart from the other. I do not think that a more general starting point of structure could be conceived. So that's the basic idea that there's a circular definition, so to speak, of relations and relata because they are interdependent ontologically. And objects are bundles of relations, and relations are connections between bundles of relations. So Newman's original argument is not directly applicable against moderate ontological structural realism because it is, so to speak, from God's point of view, a very robust metaphysical thesis. And Newman's argument is basically about certain epistemological theories. And they are simply, if you, if you make such a strong metaphysical thesis like uh, moderate ontological structural realism does, you have already suspended those epistemological concerns about metaphysics. They're already arguing from God's point of view. So Newman's argument is in, in a certain way uh, not very effective or will not impress on something who is arguing for moderate ontological structural realism. On a metaphysical level, however, it may be argued if objects have no intrinsic nature, they become in a way trivial or mysterious. For example, in Asphalt theory, if objects are bundles of relations, what holds the bundle of relations together? What exactly is the nature of the bundle? And there, the question of the intrinsic nature reappears. It's one of the classical problems of bundle theory of substances. Or is an individual without any intrinsic properties even a coherent idea? Here's a quote from Russell in Principles of Mathematics. 
It is impossible that the ordinals should be, as Dedekind suggests, nothing but the terms of such relations as constitute a progression. If they are to be anything at all, they must be intrinsically something. They must differ from other entities as points from instance or colors from sounds. What Dedekind intended to indicate was probably a definition by means of the principle of abstraction. But a de definition so made always indicates some class of entities having a genuine nature of their own, right? even in, in mathematics. Um, so does the idea of an individual without any intrinsic properties ultimately, ultimately make sense? That's the question uh, um, Russell asks here, and that's a question that must be posed as a critical question against modern ontological structural realism, which basically is the thesis that there are objects, individuals that have no intrinsic properties. And also there is the famous grounding, really, uh, grounding objection because of the circularity of moderate ontological structural realism. Most of you probably have read Rosenberg's book and there is this interesting argument which he gets from Sellers in, in Hogland. Um, I just uh, quickly repeat this, that something that is formally in the way the moderate ontological structural realist suggests between objects and relations, formally circularly interdependent, it cannot ontologically stand for itself. It needs to be grounded. So the formal definition of a type in a chess game is circular. The nature of each type is completely determined by the set of allowable moves it makes within the game as a whole. So we have a circle here. Uh, the chess game as a whole, however, is defined by the interdependent set of types which play functional roles in it. Now, now we have the circle, sorry. Each part of the game presupposes the existence of the whole game, and the game presupposes the existence of its parts. Why, is this, why isn't this circularity of the chess categories um, vicious? How can such a circular system even exist in, in, in reality. Now the argument by Sellers, Hogland and, and, and Rosenberg is because it's grounded in something that is external to the formal system, like the physical objects of uh, the chess game, the position of the board in, in, in relation to the players and so on. So for each, for each formal system there needs to be if it is circular in that, in that way, there needs to be a grounding. So that then the idea of structural realism, that is that there is no, there is only a functional uh, circular system, but there is no realizer, so to speak. There's nothing external to it which realizes. This is the, the, the main claim of, of, functional reali of, of structural realism, doesn't at least in the case of moderate ontological structural realism, really doesn't make sense. That's the argument. What if the structural realist goes eliminative? Everything there is is just relations. The entire universe is just a set of relations. 
Clearly, Newman's argument in its original form, directed against epist epistemological structural realism, is not effective here. It doesn't do, doesn't do us any good. Arguments based on intrinsic natures of objects aren't effective either, because without the existence of objects, one cannot argue about what properties they might have. So what can the panpsychist do against the eliminative ontological structural realist? He or she might then try to argue that it is a conceptual truth that relations require relata for their existence. But, well, if that is a conceptual truth, it is not one of the easy analytic statements that where everybody agrees that, it's, that this is a conceptual truth. Actually, there is quite some literature on the question whether this is a conceptual truth or not. So it's, it's, it's not an, if it's one, it's not an obvious one. So that might not be a very powerful move to make, might not convince the EOSR advocate. But the problem with OSR, eliminative OSR, is seems, pun intended, it seems to eliminate itself. What has looked like the structure of something with unknown qualitative features, Russell's original idea, is actually all there is to nature. But with this, the contrast between structure and that which is not, which, which is not structure has disappeared. Thus, from the point of view of one who adopts this position, any difference between it and ordinary scientific realism also disappears. Remember, this was our starting point. We, the structural realist looked for a middle position between simple scientific realism and anti-realism. But in this case, that middle position has gone. This is just a kind of scientific realism which claims all there is is just structure. So if we call that structuralism, the term has now a different meaning. It's not what we originally uh, set out to, to work out under the title structuralism. For if there's non-structure, there's no structure, uh, there's no non-structure, there's no structure structure either, von Bast von Frassen uh, argues along those lines. And Ladyman and Ross argue that thus no account can be given of what, what makes the world structure physical and not mathematical. So you end up with the rather implausible theory, Pythagorean theory, that our world is not really a physical world. It's, it's ultimately the world is just a world of mathematical objects, abstract objects. Structure is not realized or grounded. All there is, is structure. So eliminative ontological structural realism collapses the di distinction between the mathematical, structural, and the physical. This move is immune against the intrinsic nature argument and Newman's argument, but the, on the, the metaphysical price you pay is rather high. Now the conclusion. Yes, just in time. So, panpsychism and epistemological structural realism, then panpsychism and moderate 
and palm psychism and eliminative ontological structural realism. So, in the case of epistemological structural realism, Newman's argument is effective. Uh, Russell's view is no longer realist. Um, the intrinsic nature argument ineffective because it's a meta metaphysical claim that is epistemologically not possible according to uh, ESR. Panpsychism and moderate ontological structural realism, Newman's original argument is ineffective. Maybe if you work out the ontological implications it's had, it might be, there might be something that is effective. But there are versions of the intrinsic nature argument that are possibly effective in some form and thus supporting some of Newman's ontological intuitions. As I spelled out, it's the very notion of an object that has no intrinsic properties even conceivable. What about panpsychism and eliminative ontological structural realism? Newman's argument in any reading ineffective. Intrinsic nature's argument is ineffective. But, but eliminative ontological structural realism is firstly, ultimately no structural realism. And secondly, it ends up in a Pythagorean idealism. Thanks. <laughs>